Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Friday morning, hour two underway here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, Nikhail Don Stenzel and Greg Stalker. As we head till 10 o'clock this morning, what's on the cut sheet coming up 745. Good stuff so far on the Nikki Haley front as well as the Jeffrey Epstein documents that were released. Second batch coming out last night. We'll get to Iowa here in a couple of minutes. And also what's going on with New Jersey and California. Something in common that we'll have a conversation about. But before we get to all of that, let's get to the news. Uh, We had tragedy in the first hour. Let's find out what else is going on. For that, we give you the great Don Stensland. Thanks, Nick. Good morning. This is Kale & Company News Live on this Friday, January the 5th. We know that from Philadelphia Police, they're investigating a double shooting that happened in Olney. Teenager hurt after that double shooting. And uh, the shooting happened, by the way, just after 7.30 at night. One of the victims, a man in his early 20s, shot once in the neck, according to police. The other victim, a 15-year-old boy shot in his shoulder and his leg as well. Both of those victims taken to a nearby hospital, listed in stable condition this morning. We have no arrests, no weapons found at the scene, and we don't have any word as to the motive. Was this gang drug-related? Were these intended victims? We we don't have any further information on that one. So uh, that one, that's one of the latest shootings happening in Philadelphia and then, of course, this horrible story, which the video has gone viral. We talked about it in the 6 a.m. news, but just a horrible, horrible video and a horrible sight for SEPTA commuters in the um, you know early part of the commute last night on a SEPTA platform where a man was shoved. There was a scuffle. The man was shoved off of that train platform, pushed oh. to his death. Or- we're showing the video right now on okay. YouTube, yes. youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Good job, boys. Uh, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Yeah, the videos. We didn't put the sound in because it's... it's. Yeah. You should put the sound in. <laughs> Go ahead and put... No, put it in. Okay. Put the sound in. It's... It's... I mean, the sound is relevant because you hear them. One says, give me my money back. There's The two men are scuffling, and you see the one man shove the other man just as the approaching train... Yeah comes and and runs him over the crowd of of people who are presumably you know think of school children think of business people they're waiting on the platform and you hear the screams mm-hmm. of horror uh, i mean of people you know maybe 12 20 feet away witnessing this yeah. happening I, I i know it's always easy to you know monday morning quarterback this and armchair quarterback it and watch it and say what you would have done in that moment but it looks like the guy that ultimately tragically loses his life, and I'm not defending you know the guy that died by any stretch, he's got his hand up on the killer's chest with the shirt. And there's, I mean, if you look at it, he's got to be no more than what, three or four feet from the edge of the mm-hmm. platform? Yeah. I, I, like, I, I get it. It's easy to sit here and say it now after the fact, but it's like, man, you got to stay away from those edges. Yeah. Hey, I'm just watching. Like he takes one step back, he gets hit. He falls off. He's dead. It's like just you can't put yourself in that situation, right? Again, I'm not defending the guy by any stretch, but and I don't know how far over to the right, how much more room he would have, or if there's benches there. I I don't know the because I've never been down there, so I don't I don't know the the setup and the dynamic of the layout. But it's just, I mean, one punch, he backpedals, slips, and then boom, he's gone awful 
I I just think for anybody take you know if you're if you were on that platform and you think to yourself, wow, what if that guy shoved me off the side? Yeah, and and so you th- and that has happened, and we saw that one in New York and the subway. So I to me, I think this is just who's who's the person filming this, by the way, and what like random? Okay, well, I think the person is because people feel like sometimes they feel helpless. Well, they are, and so they feel like they want to capture what's happening. And so on this one, it just so happened. What, what, they're what, fighting. Have, what have we seen in New York City? Mm-hmm. Remember the subway guy, the, the former yeah. Marine that choked out that guy? If you yeah. intervene and go after the criminal, you're the one who yeah. goes to jail. Correct. Krasner's going to go after you. Correct. And That's the culture we have created with this lawless uh, you know, destruction of our criminal justice system. And, by the way, if you went in as a good Samaritan and even tried to break that up, because if you take set, you know, if you're a commuter every single day, according to uh, Mar- Sergeant Mark Fuzetti and others on social media, these two guys, they're they're here. I mean, you see them every day. They sleep on the train. They kind of live on the trains. They appear to be homeless individuals. That's according to all the witnesses. My issue is with the filming is mm-hmm. that like, the person who's filming, just like you can see the – Phil, if you can go back, like you can see – I guess it's a her. I'm not sure, but you can see the leg just kind of sit there, and it's just she, like it, there doesn't seem to be any sort of reaction to the fact that this person just got run over. That's because we've become by a Im- subway train immune to it. Well, I think they're shocked too. It's it is. Are I they mean, though? Because I, people I are. You hear the scream. I mean, look, people it, are screaming. Yeah. I, and, oh my god! You know, people are. That was the audio that I was referencing, by yeah. the way, not the audio <clears throat> of the yeah. guy being. Crushed Crushed. death. Yeah. Right. It's awful. Yeah, it is. But the the reaction, I mean, people are screeching and and horrified. Yeah. No? I just just feel like we've become numb to this stuff. I do do think there is some numbness to this. Yeah. I mean, every, every day we see in these cities these fights, and the first reaction is to get, pull out your phone, your phone, and film it. Yep. Uh, that's I agree, and it's it, I think it's in part because of the criminal justice system, and it's also because you see it more and more frequently. So you're like, well, I'm not going to intervene, and I'm used to this, so maybe I can uh, post this on my TikTok, and I'll get two million views. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that I would have done anything different because I'm I'm a giant coward at heart. Uh, well, but, same here. But I, I I I don't know. I just feel like we kind of just all look at this stuff and like, okay, the guy got crushed by a subway train. But it, the, the truth is, if that person had not captured that video, would we be talking about it? No, and all the media no. is. Yeah. So it, it's record, it's actually, it's actually, um, it's recording mm-hmm. what happened there. Yeah. Which, which forces everybody to look at it and will probably force now because people are talking, commuters are complaining yeah. and they're on there every day. Well, and let's, let's talk about what we just discussed yesterday on the show with Sherelle Parker. She's going to be tough on crime, state of emergency in the city. Well, how about you clean up your, your subways as well? Because we've seen that mayors in big blue cities, when they want to clean things up, they can, right? Super Bowl in Los Angeles a few years ago, L.A. cleaned everything up. Garcetti wiped out all the trash. San Francisco in the Bay Area, G comes over, <laughs> they sanitize everything. Yep. Sherelle Parker, why don't you get down there and just gut that entire SEPTA system and clean it up and get the trash off of the street? Well, nobody has dealt with the SEPTA crime, and that's why Pennsylvania Republicans, 
that created, and I know we talked about this before Christmas break, but in other words, that's why Pencil, Pennsylvania Republicans basically, you know, castigated Krasner um, in the sense that they want to have a, sp- a special prosecutor now in position to try to prosecute and deal with some of these crimes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the talking point in the local media and the talking point of Krasner and all of it and his supporters was, oh, this is they're trying to usurp the power of an elected official here in Philadelphia. It's racist. was <laughs> one of the things. No, they're trying. They're actually the, the legislature in Pennsylvania is trying to deal with exactly what you just stated, Nick. But when if you if you were to just watch the media, you would think, oh, well, gee, that's terrible. Those Pennsylvania those Pennsylvania lawmakers who aren't even from here, why are they trying to take power from Krasner? You know why? Because of what happened last night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, so it's it's um, I'm I'm actually thankful to people who record this stuff and and put it out there because you know we wouldn't even know about it. I know. Uh, by the way, I'm I would just want to give you a heads up. There was this crash that had shut down I-95 for hours this morning, um, causing a horrible morning commute for so many of you. So this happened early this morning, I-95 between exit four, and that meant the Commodore Barry Bridge, you couldn't access it. This huge delay, they've just reopened within, I, I think like the last, I think the last 10 minutes or so, they've reopened I-95. I don't know the backups. I usually don't give traffic, but, I just thought I would mention they're just saying that it, it has just reopened. Okay. Um, we also have Joe Biden. Heads up. Joe Biden will travel um, to. Well, he's going to be at Montgomery County Community. He's going to community college. So he's actually going to be at Monco Community College? That's MCC, yeah. Okay. He did, my whole neighborhood has just been destroyed. Yep. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yep. You know, I was looking forward to my weekend and my Friday. Now I'm going to have to just rush. To, I, I guess I'm assuming. Because I mean, we I get out of here at nine fifty five. I'm I'm on the, the six seventy six at by ten o two. I'm assuming that my whole trip home is just going to be an unmitigated disaster. Poor guy. I'm going to have to listen to. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I might just stick around for the dawn show and the dom show. It might be easier <laughs> for me to go home at three o'clock today. I yeah. I mean, that's why they can't. They've had to cancel schools and a lot of a lot of people in the, for example, the Wissahickon the Wissahickon Valley School District. A lot of these parents are scrambling. To find childcare because there, this was a last minute change yeah. because of the <clears throat> one inch of snow that's happening tomorrow and some some rain. Yeah. So they were supposed to do this tomorrow, of course, on January sixth on the high holiday. Yeah, the national holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget J six. So, uh, so they they quickly reverted it. You know, just cha- switched it around to today. Wissahickon Valley School District saying schools are getting out at eleven a.m. Okay. So they can get all the kiddies home. So I presume that if they're letting them out at eleven. The buses can get the kids home by noon. Yeah, I think you're going to be. I think you're going to be okay as long as you're home by noon. I'm just thinking. I mean, if you live or if you've ever been in that area in Montgomery County and Bluebell, that mm-hmm. intersection with the Cow Pike, Skipback Pike. Yeah. Like if you're, it's basically it's like four pikes. You got Germantown Pike, Butler Pike, the Calb, and Skipback. That area is a madhouse during rush hour and during school letout hours. I can't imagine what it's going to be like heading up the, if you head up the Cal Pike towards Montgomery County Community College, it's going to be great. I mean, it's just going to be, it might be a two mile backup. I'm, I'm preparing my, oh, I'm yeah. a, you know what, a dry January could end today for me. <laughs> I might have to stop off at the liquor store if it gets, <laughs> oh, if no. it gets crazy. No, there, the thing is that it'll be shut down. So that, that's the bottom line. It's just going right. to, they shut it down. The motorcade ha- motor has to go through. I'm going to have to borrow the Odyssey helicopter to get home. Ooh, that'd be, we have a. We have a chopper? Yeah, see if Yagaroff will let me borrow it. Greg laughed. 
Um, other news of the day, by the way, TGI Fridays shutters. I know many restaurants across our region, dozens, um, dozens throughout the United States, but but the Philadelphia region, surrounding suburbs, New Jersey, tough economy, I guess, for TGI Fridays shuttering restaurants across. New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Well, you see what happens when Alan Iverson retires? TGI Fridays goes out <laughs> of business. Um, and um, so, well, and I know you're going to talk about this as far as New Jersey in that one of those U-Haul studies. Yeah. New Jersey making big news and big headlines as more people are moving out of New Jersey. Weekend storm. One of the headlines for this storm, by the way, is, oh, we're going to get up to 10 inches of snow. But the deal is we in Philadelphia are not getting 10 inches of snow. So here's what I'll say today. 40 degrees, bright, sunny skies. Tomorrow, the highs 40. Sunday, the highs 39. And then next week, we're into the 50s, by the way. So the deal is when does this thing hit? And then you look at that line. So the the suburbs, as far as, let's say, Bucks County, Chester County, parts of Bucks, parks, parts of Chester, northwest parts of Montgomery could see three inches, they're saying. But then look at the line as you as you move out. If you look at one of those maps, in other words, then it moves to Lehigh County, nine, ten inches. So if that thing, if they're wrong and it just moves over a little bit to the right, we could get walloped. Oh, boy. So I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Okay. And then my question is, and I still don't have the answer to it, what does this mean for our Eagles, Eagles playing the Giants. You know, we're not nothing. at home. Obviously, it means nothing. It means that they're they might play in snow and they may play in rain. They might yeah. play. It doesn't matter. So they're going to play in some precipitation. It means nothing because their season's over. Okay, <laughs> I know the Giants' season. Yes, is over. Yes, the and Eagles, then the Eagles' season will last for one more week after this. You, I, you're unbelievable. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, no, it's like Nikki Haley no. and the Eagles. I'm done with both I, I, of them. I cannot, I'm on to the Sixers. I cannot believe. Trust the process. I cannot believe you're saying that. I'm out. That is unbelievable. To me. Look, what I told you when I'm out on somebody. I let you know. Sometimes I'm a little bit late to the party, but better late than never. They're a fraudulent eleven and five team, Greg. That's that you're, is. You're, you're so so far off the mark on this, buddy. Fraudulent, you are. You know sports better than I do. I'm it's, not. No, I'm, it's, I'm it's not, not about that. that. It's just, I'm I'm just, just, just my gut feeling. It's redemption weekend for our Philadelphia. So we. So what is it? We have to win. Cowboys have to lose. To yeah, the something, commanders. yeah, something like that. When the, yeah, it's 49ers. Soccer's 49ers with the team. Soccer's 49ers. Ah, it might be bet, my 49ers now. You bet them last time. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna, I might ride with Brock Purdy for the rest of the year. Make some money. But Eagles are going to win. They Cowboys are, are going to lose. And then we win. We, yeah. We'd win the division. There you go. And then what? And, and then, then, then we've you, kept hope yeah. alive. Yeah. And then we host a we host a play, we host a playoff game and then get beat by San Francisco. The the, the end of the road is near. Would you just, stop with your team? Yeah, it's, just this stop. is this is this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's ridiculous. How dare you? It's a shame I'm not down the hall. I'd be ranting and raving about that for four hours <laughs> right now. So it's over. It's uh, by the way, it's MetLife Stadium, four twenty-five p.m. Sunday, and it's uh, it'll be on CBS three. Yeah. So the worst thing that could happen though is if this storm somehow knocks out power. Then what do we do? Well, you just listen to Merrill and Mike on the radio. Well, that's true. Which is why I keep AM radio alive. Damn right. It'll be somewhere on AM radio. Ted Cruz and Ed Markey <laughs> fighting the good fight. 
All right, we have to break. Kale and Company News Live. All right, seven sixteen. Thank you very much, Dawn. Coming up next, we have to get to this Iowa school shooter yesterday. Uh, this was a very, very big story, and then also New Jersey, California, U-Hauls, mass exoduses. We'll get to that as we continue. Kale and Company Talk Radio twelve ten WPHD. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio twelve ten WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. It is Kale and Company. What's on the cut sheet? Coming up in just about 22 minutes, Nick, Don, and Greg, 855-839-1210. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. Sadly, yesterday, another awful school shooting, this one occurring in Iowa. And this is not about uh, you know peddling fear because we have certainly talked about these school shootings in the past and how rare they are. Um, so this is not one of these stories where it's like, oh, my God, they're happening every single day. And you know, we've kind of debunked that with all the statistics in the past. Uh, but this is another tragedy yesterday as Perry High School shooter, and I'll only say the name one time just because it is the first time we are talking about this, and one of my quote-unquote rules of thumb is that I don't like to glorify these shooters, give them any attention, uh, so we'll mention it one time, and then we'll talk about kind of the un- underlying themes here. But Dylan Butler, who was a senior at Perry High School, uh, kills a sixth grader and injures four other students and the principal before turning the gun on himself and leaving behind an explosive device. Uh, this is from the Daily Mail. Dylan Butler, senior at Perry High School, was named as the gunman. One of the five people that were injured was the school's principal. His name is Dan Marburger, who was ultimately rushed to the hospital and is currently, uh, as of... 642 last night in surgery for gunshot wounds. Uh, Butler killed a sixth grader during his rampage at the Iowa school on Thursday. And I was very surprised that not only did they identify the shooter so quickly, but they were able to show basically his whole social media presence. And this individual uh, is a part of the LGBTQ community. Apparently he uh, self-identified as trans, um, or excuse me, gender fluid for whatever that's worth and whatever that means. Um, I do want to play you the TikTok video. Uh, there's a little bit of audio with this, uh, but you will also see, uh, it's about a 25 second video. Uh, and this was the shooter and we can have a little bit of a conversation on this. Uh, this was Dylan Butler's, uh, TikTok video, which I think highlights multiple mental health issues. Take a listen and watch this. Why are you wearing a girl's purse? It's a Louis Vuitton backpack and it's unisex. Question, does the devil wear... Why are you wearing... Got some, like, Planet of the Apes facial change mutation in this TikTok video. All sorts of random searches that he's, like, video recording on his phone. His TikTok feed uh, clearly showed that this guy had a lot of issues. I, I have said for a long time that if you have the thought, much less the urge or follow through with the actions of a mass shooting, you have mental health issues to me, and we don't need to get into it for a 
27,000th time, but I think this is a mental health issue. I don't think this is a gun access issue because I think responsible, non-mentally ill individuals that have access to firearms don't do things like this. Uh, but this guy was also, um, and I'll just categorize it as a member of the LGBTQ community. So, Don and Greg, I'm a little surprised that we found out the identity because if you recall, the Nashville school shooter, uh, Audrey Hale, we waited months and months and months to find out, you know, the manifesto and things like that. Yet here in this situation, the details were released. So my only question is, because this is a community that the mainstream media and the left loves to protect and always says they are the ones under attack. How quickly does this story disappear from the mainstream media if, in fact, mainstream media has covered it at all? I, I saw it on Fox. I saw it on Daily Mail. Um, I have no idea what lengths to which CNN or MSNBC or the mainstream outlets have covered this. But my guess is this story disappears from mainstream media probably by the end of the weekend would be my guess. Yeah, and, you know, the White House, of course, the usual, the uh, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, saying we have to do something, we can't allow these tragedies continue, and blaming, along with other uh, Democrats and leaders and the mainstream media, talking about the epidemic of gun violence. Yeah. The The, problem is the guns. The problem is always the guns. It's never the mental health that leads you to do things like this. The other thing that's frustrating about it is... When it's somebody that the left loves to highlight as a true threat to society in the world that we live in, in media slants and coverage, it's, oh, it's an angry white guy. Well, from what I gather, from what I can see on TikTok, Dylan Butler, and I said his name again, my fault, uh, but this individual was a white man, even though he said he was gender fluid, um, I would say that this individual, as a white man, obviously had anger issues. So if we're going to be fair about it, then let's start saying just because this person was a part of the LGBTQ community, this person was also, excuse me, the post-nasal drip again. Uh, This individual was clearly an angry, deranged, mentally disturbed white person. So you can't pick and choose selectively when you want to apply it to one community and then say it's a gun issue when it happens for the same demographic because this was a white man. so And brought a pump-action shotgun as well as a handgun to school. Right, which is illegal for a 17-year-old <clears throat> to have yeah, which, in Iowa. So, you know, it's, it's, a small, it's a smaller town. It's about 40 minutes outside Des Moines. I know that the uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was supposed to be in Perry and instead, so they... This this was happening during my show yesterday. Mid, you know that we were learning more about it. They had a live news conference because it happened seven thirty in the morning. So this kid came to school early, yep, and obviously knew that his target seems to be the school official. Um, so that that appears to be the intended target. By the way, one of at least one of those other five victims who survived is in critical condition this morning. Okay, but um. But I will say, you know, this, this had to be planned. This person came to school because I think school starts at 8. Yeah. And and this kid got there at 730 in the morning. By the way, when are we going to ha- start having a conversation about psychotropic drugs? That's all I'm saying. 
these antidepressants that every freaking kid is on. Yeah. And how big pharma and doctors over prescribe kids because over medicate, over medicate and side effects that they have. I want to have that conversation. Is, you know, was I, was this individual? I have no, I have no, idea. Okay. I have no idea. I didn't know if that was maybe no. in the story. No, it's not. I, okay. I just, I, I have no idea anything about this kid. All I'm saying is, is that we over medicate our, our our children because we don't want to deal with them, mm-hmm. or we think that they have mental issues or whatever, and uh, and we don't know what the side effects of a lot of these drugs are. Yeah. And I think if you actually do some research and look and go back and see some of the, you know. Uh, the people who perpetrated these these horrific acts, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them are mentally ill and are were probably on some of these uh, yeah. psychotropic There's drugs. There's usually a lot of warning signs. Specifically with this individual, they say in this story that in December, just weeks before the shooting, Butler posted another video on the same social media account of him sitting on a children's playground equipment with a friend pretending mm-hmm. to be in a gunfight using sticks. Now... I, I don't know if that, that means necessarily a red flag that you're actually going to shoot up a school because you're in a pretend gunfight. But then again, at 17 years old, I don't I don't know many 17 year olds that are using sticks in a pretend gunfight. I mean, that's something I would think that a seven year old does. But um, whether or not that's a red flag, that's up for everybody else to debate and discuss. All I'm saying is is that it, take two stories, and you're going to all laugh at me for linking them together. But I think it's it really shows our society. Is that in you had a story about that uh, that uh, that airplane that caught fire uh, in was it Japan? Japan. Yeah, Tokyo. Three hundred and seventy nine people on board. Every single one of them got out. You saw that that plane. It was engulfed, and everybody commented on how orderly that uh, everybody kind of stayed in their seats, stayed calm, got up. And what like that that would have never happened in the United States. Oh, no shot. And and, you know, you see, I don't know if it's a culture thing or what, but you see that. And then you see our kids that run around who we can't control them. So like, like, just dope them up. Keep doping them up. Yeah, the panic and hysteria. And and and, you know, you look at the difference there and it's it 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 really is a cultural difference between the way we raise our kids here in America. Different temperaments. Yes. Exactly. No doubt about it. Yeah. 855-839-1210 if you want to jump in on the conversation. Coming up next, Gavin Newsom, Phil Murphy with Something in Common. The details next on Kale & Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. The final week of the NFL regular season is here. Whew, I can't believe it. Where's time going? Uh, I'm on the Eagles minus five and a half against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. This Sunday, the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. In partnership with Valley Forge Casino, it's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So put five bucks down on the Eagles to win over the Giants. Mentality. Five bucks down, you can win 150 bucks in bonus bets. Win or lose. Go to FanDuel.com slash Greg, FanDuel.com slash Greg, and make your first bet right now. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of 1210 WPHD and the NFL, 21 and over, President PA, first online, real money, wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues, not withdrawable, bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt, restrictions apply, see terms, sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the free Odyssey app. 
Very fitting that we come back to this. Welcome back in. Kale and Company Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Nick Dawn and Greg. What's on the cut sheet coming up 745 this morning. But Phil Murphy and Gavin Newsom with a lot in common. As we get into this conversation right now, I know, Don, you sent this story to us yesterday, I think after we got off the air, as uh, a study finds that New Jersey was the most moved from state in 2023. This courtesy of New Jersey uh, News 12. A new study has found that New Jersey is once again the most moved from state for the sixth consecutive year. The study was conducted by United Van Lines, and the study found that 65% of the total moves that were happening in New Jersey were leaving the state of New Jersey in 2023. And the study found that the reasons for the moves included retirement, lifestyle changes, and the cost of living. A uh, very interesting breakdown. Uh, and then if you go to unitedvanlines.com, you can see the actual national study uh, as, yes, New Jersey led the way at 65%. Uh, the top outbound states, New Jersey at number one, Illinois number two, North Dakota three, New York four, Michigan five, California at six, Massachusetts seven, and Kansas number eight. Little surprised Pennsylvania was not in the top eight, uh, but the top inbound states in 2023, surprisingly, at least to me, Vermont, number one, um, Washington, D.C. came in at number two, even though technically it's not a state, uh, South Carolina, three, Arkansas, four, Rhode Island, North Carolina, South Dakota, Alabama, New Mexico, and West Virginia, I got to be honest, you know, when we look at certain polls and I sit there and I see, okay, so-and-so has uh, uh, 79% negative reaction. My counter is like, I would would love to meet the individual or the group of people in the 21% that approve of so-and-so. So I guess my question would be, why do I, why does anybody actually move to New Jersey to begin with in the first place? I understand why you get the heck out. Um, and I'm not trying to knock New Jersey because I know we have plenty of listeners in the Jersey area. Um, I just don't find New Jersey very compelling to live in. Oh, we, we have for years. So we owned a, we owned a place in Ocean City for years and years, but shore's different. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we, that was like our plan to at some point downsize and just have a place, have a place at the Jersey shore Mm -hmm. or somewhere, you know, in South Jersey. And then maybe Ocean City area, Strathmere, and then have a place in like Naples, Florida. And that that was like our long term goal. And, and then you got into radio. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then something drastically changed. TV days, right? Uh, <laughs> but the so the the truth is that that I wish, if looking back, that um, I would have bought in, you know on the Delaware beaches because now those places that's what everybody did because Delaware still is so affordable mm-hmm. you know for a place of retirement yeah. but at this point new jersey it's just not livable with all the taxes and and the structure and i mean the, the joke is some of the new york stations were reporting on this and then they were saying and the weather is uh probably a big factor in here it's like yeah the, the, you know <laughs> look across the country i mean yeah do people want to go to a sunny place like florida or yeah. arizona okay but the truth is that I think New Jersey is very desirable, and especially because of its proximity. 
So if you if you love to go, you know, to be in between, let's say, you know, on the East Coast, New York, it's close to DC. Yeah. You know, it's it's um so I to so me, where, where, I love where, where, New Jersey. Where were you considering Delaware? Because I feel I, I've mentioned on the show in the past that my my wife's aunt and uncle have a place in Rehoboth, mm-hmm. and you know that's a very um yeah. cute little town. Yes, is the way people exactly characterize it. Very it, cute little town. Yeah, and it's but the and those places even ten years ago were. There, there was a lot available, and they were really affordable. Now, right? I mean, I think a lot of people were smart mm-hmm. to get to get in on places like Rehoboth because it's it's beautiful. It was really cheap, mm-hmm. relatively, you know, speaking. And um, now, obviously, the supply and demand issues have made it so that those places cost a fortune. But I, you know, I think that the issue here is the economy, and for retirees, also freaked out about their investments shrinking and mm-hmm. that sort of thing i think that that's all a part of it with new jersey also with california they lead the country once again in outgoing u-hauls uh reading this one from uh outkick.com they say the following people from around the country flock to the spectacular weather natural beauty recreational opportunities and thriving industries but that was before it became a one-party state and with that one party dead set on driving as many people away as possible for several years now, California has ranked near the top of the leaderboard in population loss, thanks in large part to Gavin Newsom and his overreach during the COVID pandemic. While an influx of domestic arrivals to Texas and Florida have added millions of new residents to those states, California from 2020 to 2023 has seen its population fall for the first time in state history. And based on a new report, that trend is set to continue continue yet again in 2024 as U-Haul released their annual list of states with the most one-way outgoing truck rentals and sure enough California took the top spot for the third consecutive year Texas by contrast had the most incoming one-way truck rentals from U-Haul you know it's amazing as you think about this and you know we're talking about what the future of the Democrats look like with potential presidential candidates. We've obviously seen plenty and heard plenty of Gavin Newsom. You know we've discussed Josh Shapiro. We've discussed Phil Murphy. It's wild to me that all of these um, metrics and different studies and surveys and polls show that people are leaving blue cities, people are leaving blue states, they're getting out of California, New York, New Jersey, you name it, going to whether it's Texas or Florida or Arizona or Nevada or the Carolinas, uh, Alabama. You go on down the list, and yet we it seems like just, I mean, I'm just making a general blanket statement here, that we're almost destined to have democratic presidents for the next handful of years and a lot of that's pushed on by the the left wing and the national media i mean my god they were trying to prop up fetterman for god's sakes before he even you know uh, started as his official uh, freshman term as a senator yet and this is the other thing that has blown me away and i know don you've lived in the south as well people leave big blue cities and states for red places in the south and i will never wrap my head around like they literally tell you, I can't take the city anymore. I can't take the crime, the cost of living. And then they go to what they believe is a better destination, which I agree with. And I, I endorse, I mean, I lived in Tennessee for four and a half years. I loved it. And then they still go there and they vote for Democrats. I don't get that. That's like the, literally the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And these people leave these places. And that's why we are seeing 
certain traditionally red states start to shade purple, or dare I say even shift blue. Uh, Austin, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, a lot of these cities that are you know now hotbeds for relocation, and they get a lot of the Northeastern people, and they go down there and they vote Democrat still. I don't get it, but then again, I don't get a lot of things. All right, 746. I can't make sense of some of these people. I really can't. It just drives me insane. Um, but then again, I'm the idiot that came back to Pennsylvania, so it's probably a me problem. But I think, you know, when you look at the list of, you know, that list for people moving out of states, and then you think that number one, New Jersey, number two, Illinois, and, and look at Murphy, look at Pritzker, look at the number one and number two, and the overwhelming situation where people are moving out of those states it's more than just, let's say, weather. Right, because the it's, weather's always been good there. It's, it's, right? The weather's is hasn't really changed. And so I think, and this is over six years, so you can't blame just pandemic policies, right? So I think that you have to look at these progressive, horrible governors. You look at the cost of living. You look at the economy. You look at the policies. But I will also say this, that New Jersey is always rated as you know, number one for education, and I do think there's a piece of this where my question is, you know, are parents feeling with some of these policies where the where the government in New Jersey believes that they can come in between you and your child? I think that is very highly unpopular for parents and grandparents. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And they and so I think that's that's a piece of this here. All right, seven forty seven Friday morning. Let's get to a Greg Stocker led what's on the cut sheet. What's on the cut sheet? To be fair, all week they've been Greg Stocker led. That's true. I came up with. Yeah, I wrote the entire script. You just were not the for, maestro for two of for these every days. for every single one of them. I just couldn't participate because right. Yeah, the mumps. <laughs> I mean the measles. What's on the country? You know, this Friday is brought to you by your good friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Now is a great time to go because they need to clear their lot. They're undergoing a state-of-the-art renovation and need to make room for construction vehicles. Take advantage of incredible sale and lease options today. Check them out on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. We love New Jersey for Cherry Hill Volvo. Right across the bridge there. Jerry Hilvaldo, tell them you heard about them on 1210 WPG. Okay, uh, we mentioned this earlier. We talked at about 6.30 at length a little bit about the new um, Jeffrey Epstein documents that were released yesterday. They've been coming out in dribs and drabs. Yesterday, last night actually at 6 o'clock, Tucker Carlson on X released a episode 59. Uh, but this time it was with Jeffrey Epstein's only living brother, uh, only living relative, I guess, mm-hmm. Mark, Mark Epstein, uh, who refused to be on camera. That's correct. Uh, so all you hear is his voice and uh, Tucker with his um, <laughs> inquisitive look. <laughs> he always looks flummoxed, doesn't oh, God, he? Yeah. <laughs> um, and a weird, where, where is Tucker? It's like a weird white curtain background. I know. I know. I was surprised they didn't have, like, you know sometimes when they want to hide the identity of an interviewer yeah. or the yeah. interviewee, they have, like, just a silhouette, and it's like the face is, like, kind of shadowed they out. They should have done that. They didn't even show uh, no. Mark Epstein. On he obviously did not want even his image. He yeah. wanted, 
So he's par- well, he's, he's worried about he's, his safety. He's scared for his safety mm-hmm. because the majority of this interview it's twenty it's about twenty five minutes. The majority of this interview is about how uh, the. <laughs> Nobody really believes that uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, uh, hanged himself, killed himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the bigger question is why the United States government, because Bill Barr is involved in this, in my opinion, uh, why the United States government just kind of took all of this at face value and said, well, he hung himself and now we're... Case closed. Case closed. We're done with that. So... Uh, the part that I found the most interesting in this um, was the was Bill Barr's alleged in what they think cover up of this um, and how he just took everything at face value. Why did he do that? Uh, this is cut 13. Phil, go. So what's interesting is that the attorney general of the United States at the time, Attorney General Barr, uh, said publicly and then wrote in his memoir that he had concluded conclusively that this was a suicide based on two pieces of evidence. One, the medical examiner, the the person who performed the autopsy declared it a suicide, which is a lie. That didn't happen. And two, because he had viewed the videotape at the entrance to the tier, to the cell block where your brother was being held. What do you make of that explanation? Well, when, when I heard Barr's statement that he said he personally saw the videotape and he concluded it was a suicide because nobody went in or out, I, that's when it hit me that he's covering this up because there's two sort of fallacies in that. One, I thought, why is the Attorney General of the United States, who I imagine to be a busy guy, why is he personally watching the videotape? Couldn't he have two people in his office watch the videotape and say, hey, Bill, nobody went in or out? You know, wouldn't that suffice? And two, to assume that somebody could get to that door, go inside, you know, kill somebody, get out completely undetected is just ridiculous because I believe there are six levels of security before you get to that door. So to assume that somebody could do it that way is crazy. And any third-rate investigator will tell you that, you know, there was anywhere from seven to 14 people on the other side of that door, on the tier, that could have killed somebody. And I had been told from another source, I've been getting a lot of information from all sources, that cell doors were left unlocked that night. I don't know how many cell doors or whose cell doors, but if, if cell doors were left unlocked, then somebody could have went into Jeff's cell, killed them, went back into their cell, undetected. Now, in the Justice Department uh, report, it says that from three cells, you could see Jeff's cell door. But if you look at the photographs of the tier, there's tiny windows in the cell doors. So in order to see Jeff's cell door from another cell, you'd have to be standing at that window inside the other cells in the middle of the night looking towards Jeff's cell. And if somebody crept low beneath the height of that window, you wouldn't see them. So the fact that, you know, to say that he could be seen from three other cells and they didn't see anything, well, chances are the other prisoners were sleeping in those cells if they had nothing to do with it. So again, it, it, it's just like a cover-up line. To me, it obviously is a cover-up, in my personal opinion. And there's so many different things that they broke the normal protocol for. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the way they respond to somebody. Because he goes on to say in another clip, because I watched the full thing last night, one of the unwritten rules in prison is that nobody dies in prison. They don't want to have that on them. So 
he was presumed dead for at least two hours when they found him. Yet they, when they brought him out, you know, kind of on the gurney, they did like the whole intubation thing, which you wouldn't do if somebody's mm-hmm. been dead for over two hours. Like, what are you trying to do here? And then they, apparently they cut him out of his prison um, jumpsuit or whatever, you know, uh, apparel and clothing you're wearing in there. And put him in another outfit, hospital garb. Hospital garb, and like you yep. see, they're usually a, a hospital garb with a gown that wraps up in yep. the back, yep. or a sheet. So mm-hmm. there's so many things here that just smell beyond belief. I mean, nobody. Look, I think if you ask anybody, nobody thinks that he killed himself. No. The question we all have is why people. The United States government included went to such great lengths to cover it up. I mean, is it as simple as saying to silence the guy that could squeal and could talk yep. when he goes to court and has his day? Which also doesn't it doesn't add up because apparently, and you'll hear, well, you would hear if you hear the whole video, the full twenty five minutes. His brother said he had a um, a bail hearing, an appeal coming up. He had immunity. Which is, which is this, that was the, like, he, it, he had immunity, and he didn't think that he was going to be charged for any of this, so he, he came back to the country or whatever. From Paris. And, and showed up, and they arrested him. Yep. So, you know, that, there's, there's, there's that as well. Not, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been arrested, he absolutely should have, but, but it, it, it's interesting to me how this all kind of played out, right? Yeah. And and also, um, his brother goes on to say because when you when you look at the video there with that tier with the cell, so there's seven total cells, and each cell can hold one to two individuals. So outside of Jeffrey Epstein himself, there was presumably anywhere from six to thirteen other individuals, <laughs> and he's been trying to find out the identities. The brother here. Who was also on yeah. that tier? Because if the if the cell doors were left unlocked that night, then presumably, and if nobody else went in or out the six different levels of security to get there, yep. one of those six to thirteen individuals went in there yep. and strangled him, or whatever they did, broke his neck. Yep, allegedly. I, this whole allegedly. thing is just it is. There's so many unanswered questions to it, and it's just it's. They've uh, a lot of people have gone to great lengths to to cover the story up and bury the story. And did you guys play yesterday, Amy Robach? Yes. Yeah, the 2019. Just how ABC didn't. And look, you can you can look at it from one way as a, look look ABC didn't want to get sued. You know what I mean? Like if there wasn't credible evidence to this, you know, you were you were naming very high high profile people that that could be their excuse. Mm -hmm. The skeptic in me is just like, well, we don't want to unlock this. Well, to to your point of very high powered people, Anthony just handed me during uh, the last segment uh, from the New York Post. A story with the headline that says Bill Clinton, nobody more high-powered and high-named than that when we talk about Epstein, Bill Clinton allegedly stormed into a Vanity Fair newsroom and threatened the outlet to not run the sex trafficking stories against, quote, good friend Jeffrey Epstein, that according to new documents as well. So you have a lot of people that were making threats and power plays and a lot of people that were like, boy, you know what, do we go with this? Should we run with this? Because... Then all of a sudden, your safety let, comes let me, into question. Let me ask you guys a question. 
I know we are obsessed with this, and I know the internet and Twitter and social media is obsessed with this. Do you think the do you think the majority of people know or care that this yes, much about this? Do I you? do. I think this is like a seller for Netflix. I think if there's you know streaming services that do ten part documentaries on this, I think I think the Jeffrey Epstein Epstein Island general story is it, it maybe it's not apples to apples. But I, like the O.J. Simpson case, I think there's just high-profile things that Americans are fascinated by. Um, it may be fascinated is the wrong word because the reality is, and we're doing it, and I've criticized others, like we're burying the fact that there were victims here that were minors that had their lives ruined by this pedophile creep. But I think Americans are attracted to the gore. What do we always see on the turnpike when there's an accident or a schuylkill? Rubber Tra- yeah, because everybody's fascinated by looking at what happened. Yeah, I, I do. I think a lot of Americans are intrigued by this type of stuff. Yeah, I. I mean, if Netflix would drop a new series on this, like a five-parter, I'd watch it. Part of me agrees with you, and you know, seeing the streaming uh, numbers over the last couple of days for the show, people are obviously interested because we we've talked about it. You guys have talked about it a lot. Um, I ju- I don't know how much this resonates with a. I don't want to say normal, but the average everyday person. I think the story of somebody who, first of all, how did this college dropout who, you know, weaseled his way into the life of somebody like Les Wexner worth nearly $6 billion, Ohio, um, you know, Victoria's Secret and biggity big businessman Wexner. How did, how did Jeffrey Epstein end up? as a billionaire with one of the biggest mansions, for example, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. his own private island, his private plane, uh, you know, all these different properties. How did he end up with all that money? Yeah. How did he get his wealth? And I think that's one of the questions. And, and by the way, people have asked this for years, you know, look at the follow the money trail. Mm-hmm. And that's the point that even those detectives early on in these you know, human trafficking cases that that's basically what it was with Epstein. These yeah. it wasn't just pedophilia. It was human trafficking of girls as young as 12 years old. And the, the Miami case that we referenced earlier in the 6 a.m. hour, that that case, which he pleaded out to, was involving a 14 year old girl. Yep. OK. Mm-hmm. And so how did this guy get his money and why can't you follow the trail of the money? Because financial records don't lie. Yep. And, and so why, why not? And that takes us to a whole new level. So who, you know, how was, how was our government complicit high levels of bureaucrats? And were they freaky deaky? Mm-hmm. Were they some of the clients or that were they protecting him? Because we know that, in other words, he was hosting biggity bigs from around the world. Right. And were they being blackmailed? This is an international story. Yes. It, I mean, you th- if you think about it, and again, I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong here, but think of the crossover appeal here. We have politicians involved, Bill Clinton. We have entertainers. Uh, and again, just the court documents, people's names, just the Epstein circle in general. If you're in his stratosphere, Cameron Diaz, Michael Jackson. So it's not just one um genre i mean you know there's so many different like like tie-ins here to this guy wealthy people the harvard educated and there's just something about certain stories you know i mentioned oj simpson Uh, remember everybody was fascinated by the natalie holloway case 
There's just some stories out there in American news that the country becomes obsessed with. And I do think Epstein falls into that category. One story America and you, uh, the American people are not obsessed with is uh, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Mustard. <laughs> Ron uh, was uh, hosted, a, uh, or was the guest, of a CNN town hall last night. I must have missed that. With, uh, with Caitlin Collins. Oh, boy. Hilarity ensued. <laughs> uh, Des Moines, Iowa, he was there where I believe he's in third place now. So has Vivek and Chris Christie overtaken him yet in, in, in Iowa? Well, I told you in the big take this morning, nationally in the GOP polling, uh, Nikki Haley has surpassed uh, DeSantis for second. So this, talk about awkward. He he comes on stage yesterday after being, last night, excuse me, after being introduced by Caitlin Collins, and he gives Caitlin Collins a jersey of Iowa's Caitlin Clark. Oh, yes. Yes, this is a shot at Nikki Haley. Okay, I, I didn't understand the time okay. there. Yeah, we talked about it earlier in the week when you were home oh. with uh, the bubonic plague. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Kate, Nikki Haley confused Caitlin Collins of CNN with Iowa basketball player Caitlin Clark. Uh, then it's a brilliant troll move. I just this is I, a troll job. Absolutely, I, I didn't understand where he was going with it. Well, okay. because he's awkward. This is this is cut ten. I'm going to start with this is how uh, the town hall started last night on CNN. You didn't watch it. Nobody did. Uh, this is cut ten. Thank you. Thanks so much. Now, so odd. Great to be back at Grandview. Thanks, CNN. So, I heard the other day. Someone say that Caitlin Collins had some basketball skills. Now, I don't know if that was a mistake or not, but I know in Iowa they have a Caitlin Clark. So I just wanted to give you this as a memento. And, and just respectfully, if the game's on the line and we need a buzzer beater, I'm going with Clark over Collins. So. Rest assured, her free throws and her threes are much better than mine, Governor. But thank you so much for that. Thank sure. you. And. All right, thank you very much, Ron. Now I'm going to fact check you and interrupt you while a producer's in my ear set the whole time tonight. <laughs> yeah, but you see, that's a good troll job by DeSantis. It's a swipe at Nikki Haley. Iowa people know what that's about, obviously, with the girl basketball player, Caitlin, um, uh, Caitlin Clark. And um, obviously, they, they are aware of Nikki's slip up. It was not a good holiday stretch for Nikki between um, the, Civil War the, the Civil War thing and the Iowa thing, but. DeSantis is not necessarily an expert in the troll game, which is why I think it probably comes off a little awkward. Like his smile, like he, you know, he was waiting hours to do that. He thought that was going to be the home run moment. It was more like a base hit. I I want so badly somebody to troll him and go yell, you know, mustard to him. Mustard. (laughs) Send Newman Price out. He'll do it. Um. So he didn't take, uh, you know, this was, he took a lot of shots at uh, Nikki Haley for this, because obviously that is his uh, top threat right now, I would assume. Uh, but he also uh, took some shots at, uh, at at Donald Trump, saying that the Democrats want Trump uh, to be the candidate. This is cut nine, Phil, go. Polls and say you want to see what happens on the 15th. You just referenced what you believe Trump is running on this time. You say his own issues. And you said before that you don't think he's the same candidate that he was in 2016. What do what should voters in Iowa know about what you think a second Trump presidency, a second Trump term would look like if they do pick him over you? Well, so here, look, we, we saw what happened in the midterms in 2022. Remember, 
they said that this was going to be a red wave. You had a red wave in Iowa and Florida because yeah. Governor Reynolds led and because I led, and we won historic victories. Hmm. The rest of the Republicans and the Senate and House crashed and burned. Donald Trump's candidates, hand-picked candidates, lost because the Democrats have a playbook that they can run. It's, it was effective in 2018, it was effective in 2020, 21, 22, and even this year in 2023. So don't repeat that. The Democrats want Trump to be the candidate. They are going to talk about all the legal stuff, January 6th. That will be what the election will be about. You don't want it to be a referendum on Trump and the past. You want it to be a referendum on Biden's failures, on our positive vision for this country. I offer that. And oh, by the way, you need somebody that can serve two terms. Uh, you're going to go in there as a lame duck president, even if you could get elected. I don't think that that's how it works there. We need a change agent in Washington. We need somebody that's going to go in there, actually unwind the bureaucracy, which Trump promised to do and didn't do. We need a president that's going to stop the border invasion by building a wall, which Trump promised to do but didn't do. We also need somebody that's going to be willing to deport illegal aliens. Donald Trump said he would in 2016 he'd have the largest deportation in history. He deported less than Barack Obama did in Obama's first term. Yes. I will actually get the job done, and I will hold the Mexican drug cartels accountable for the carnage that they're causing in this country. They are killing tens of thousands of our fellow Americans. Uh, when I'm president, we're going to designate them as foreign terrorist organizations. Donald Trump had an opportunity to do that. He didn't do it. I will. Well, Governor, I'm glad you brought up well, he is accurate there at the end when he talks about the deportation numbers. Uh, I know, Don, you had mentioned this yesterday. It, it was true that there was more deported under Obama than Trump. But here's the thing. You're clearly picking up on a new theme, and the new theme for DeSantis in 2024, and he mustard. floated... Well, not mustard, no, and not ketchup either. Uh, you know, towards the end of 2023, he started saying what I thought the vision for the Democrats was when we started this show in the fall of 2022 was that they were trying to do this to Trump because they believe Trump is the more beatable candidate. I have since come off of that because you look at all the polling numbers and the indictments. To me, they're not trying to indict Trump, to elevate Trump, to get him to be the nominee so they can beat him again. They want him out of the equation. They want him out of the picture completely. So I, I disagree with DeSantis there, but that, that to me, no doubt is going to be his calling card for this calendar year. He's going to repeat that constantly, that the Democrats want Trump so they can utilize the same playbook. I disagree with it. What do you think about him attacking, or not attacking, but using the lame duck presidency as a uh, as, as a tool? As far as the one term? Yeah. Do you think that plays at all? I mean, look... It's exactly. Look, it's an interesting thought. It is, right? but executive orders. I mean, is in in in, a, in an ideal world, I think everybody, if you're a Trump supporter and a conservative, you want Trump for four, and then DeSantis for eight, and you get twelve years of GOP control. But I mean, Trump can undo some stuff with executive orders right from the jump. I mean, would it be great for eight years? Yes, but to act like he can't get things accomplished in four years, especially with having control of the House now in the Republican Party, you're going to have two thirds of the power. So he will be able to get things done. Um, the only other, I just to quickly put, you know, Caitlin Collins, I wish would have pushed back a little bit on DeSantis to say, well, part of the reason that Trump, you know, that, that Obama had more people. Um, push back across the the border was because Trump shut down the border amid the pandemic. Right. 
So that that that's a little misleading for DeSantis to say. It's true. You know what I mean? When the border's completely closed, you it can't... Was shut down right. because of the pandemic. That's correct. And and Trump did choose to shut it down. And Biden kept it, you know, kept that order in place, you know, when he, when he came into office, but then yeah. opened the thing wide open. Right. Do you think now, because you said uh, Trump for four years, DeSantis for eight, uh, do you think he has harmed himself too much now to with the GOP base? No. To DeSantis? Yeah. I hope not. Okay. Because like I said, look, at the end of the day, even though I'm down on Nikki Haley and I'm out on her, uh, if push comes to shove and it was her versus Biden, I'm still, of course, going to vote for Nikki Haley. I would like to think that when all this comes and goes and blows over and it's Trump against Biden and DeSantis finishes up to, uh, you know, his second term as governor in Florida, that if he does have visions of running again in 2028, that the MAGA base that feels like DeSantis was disloyal to Trump will rally behind the guy because, well, (laughs) what's your alternative? And ultimately, too, if you're a true rock-solid conservative, there's nobody more conservative out there that's running right now than DeSantis. That much we know for sure. Um, by the way, streaming live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Uh, if you're watching right now, please hit the like button. Only at 57 likes. I want to get to 100 likes. And if you have not done so, please hit the subscribe button, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Go there. Now, um, speaking of the border, Brett Bear on his program last night had on Alejandro Mayorkas. And <laughs> Brett Bear asked the question that we all want to know is how Kamala Harris, she's the border czar, right? How she has helped keep the border safe. <laughs> uh, this was Mayorkas's response. This is cut 11. Go. The last thing. Shortly after taking office, President Biden tapped Vice President Harris to address the root causes of migration. How specifically has the vice president helped in your efforts to keep the border safe? Uh, the vice president has raised more than $3 billion of investments in some of the countries of origin, specifically those in Central America. That is a long-term solution that we remain dedicated to. But in the meantime, we are enforcing vigorously our country's immigration laws and working to fix them in a fundamentally broken system. But you do think it's a crisis now? (laughs) Brett, it is a challenge. No, the other C word. uh, Challenge. I've been addressing vigorously with all of the tools and resources that we have been provided. We are asking for more tools and resources, and we are asking Congress to fix a fundamentally broken system. Our our dedication to this effort is tireless and unrelenting. Mr. Secretary, we appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Mr. Mayorkas, Fox News has put in an interview request for your presence. Well, tell them I'm not going any later into the evening than Brett Bear. If you think I'm going on with Laura or Jesse, there's no shot. So, yeah, give me the softballs from Brett. He's fair and balanced. Now, here's the thing. This is not about money. This is not about resources. This is about enforcing the law and the rules and what you have in place. We just had 302,000 people in the month of December alone. We just heard Joe a few days ago talking about needing more money. It's not a money issue. And and the Biden administration is just so um uh so so casual with how much money they want to just burn through. You have what you need. You have to enforce it. It's not a broken system. The the, the system seemed to be just fine under Trump. What was the last month of Trump was 70,000 encounters. 
Now times that by four and a half, and you have about what three hundred thousand. That's what we just saw last month. No wonder why this guy's being impeached. It's a challenge. No, it's a crisis. You can say it. CNN's putting it up on their graphic on TV now. They use the word crisis. Um, the House, uh, the GOP-led House, is uh, it's, is trying to impeach Mayorkas. Um, he was asked by Brett Baer if he would step down if he was impeached. Uh, this was his answer. This is cut 12. Something Two more that quick is things. not specific to the southern border. Yes, Brett. If you were impeached, um, would you step down? You'd be the first cabinet member to be impeached by the House in 148 years. Brett, uh, I lead 260 incredibly dedicated and talented men and women of the Department of Homeland Security. I will continue to lead them in advancing the mission of protecting the American people. That's what we do in the area of immigration, in the area of cybersecurity, in our fight against human trafficking, in saving communities devastated by extreme weather events. We do so much for the American people, and I'm incredibly proud to do it. I would think if you were to poll America and ask the citizens of this nation how safe and secure you feel, under the leadership of Alejandro Mayorkas and his 260-plus um, soldiers, so to speak, I would be willing to bet that that number, as far as safety goes, probably less than 20% of Americans feel safe. Just a, just a guess on my part, though. Speaking of the border, New York is now suing bus companies. <laughs> Eric Adams, I saw this. For, uh, for sending migrants uh, from Texas to, <laughs> to New York City. Um but I thought that they were, you know, they enriched the lives right. of everybody. Like, why would we sue to bring... We are a welcoming city. What do they call it? Our greatest strength? Yeah, is our is our numbers and our diversity. Yeah. Okay, well, you're getting both, pal. Uh, this was Eric Adams yesterday. Cut eight. Phil, go. New York City has and will continue to do our part to manage this humanitarian crisis. Ah, crisis. But we cannot bear the course of reckless political ploys from the state of Texas alone. Today, our administration filed a lawsuit against 17 companies that have taken part in Texas Governor Greg Abbott's scheme to transport tens of thousands of migrants to New York City in an attempt to overwhelm our social services system. These companies have violated state law by not paying the cost of caring for these migrants, and that's why We are suing to recoup approximately $700 million already spent to care for migrants bust here in the last two years by the state of Texas. Governor Abbott's continuing use of migrants as political pawns is not only chaotic and inhumane, but makes clear he puts politics over people. Today's lawsuit should serve as a warning to all those who break the law in this way. You know, maybe it's just me. But every time I hear Eric Adams speak, I think of Tracy Morgan from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yes, does he not sound he does, just identical to Tracy Morgan? Does sound, he does sound a lot like him. But, but think, of, think about what's happening here and what this guy is, the audacity. So in other words, uh, he's saying, oh, why should we be burdened with the cost? You Texans, mm-hmm. you should be burdened with the cost. And think about the Biden administration suing Texas. Yep. To say, oh no, 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 you're not allowed to 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 push people back 
off of your border. The hypocrisy is just so thick here. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just a second ago talked about how Trump, through executive order, found ways to shut down the southern border. We have a crisis. Biden's own security people, his own FBI, have said we got terrorists coming across the border. He has every he could today shut the border down and say we've got measles and mumps uh, coming across. We have people we don't know if they have if they're vaccinated. We don't know if they're sick. We have flu outbreaks, RSV. He could make it a health crisis. Mm-hmm. He could also make it a terrorist crisis. He he has so many tools in his presidential executive power toolbox. He doesn't do it. Think, think about it, and this is not to defend Eric Adams because some of this is his own fault by encouraging this and saying, oh, well, we're a sanctuary city. But think about how pissed he must really be because he has publicly pled for the Biden administration to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So his own party presidentially at the federal level is not helping him out. And then Greg Abbott from the opposing aisle is sending people up through from Texas on buses. So Eric Adams is taking it from both sides, from from his own side and from the other side. And you want to talk about playing politics. This is not playing politics. This is showing you and putting it right there on your front porch. This is what we're dealing with. This is what you say you encourage and welcome. And if you want to talk about playing politics, why is the Biden administration allowing this to happen? Because they're hoping that some of these people ultimately end up voting Democrat once they become a a member of this country. Moving on to cut six here, Phil. Uh, KJP was asked about data that um, indicating any of Biden's policies have contributed to the record-breaking border crisis. And uh, this was her response to that. Cut six, Phil, go. In an interview with CBS News, House Speaker Johnson said on his first day in office, President Biden came in and issued executive orders that began this chaos. Did any of the administration's policies contribute to the record number of border crossings? What I can say is this. On his first day in this administration, the president put forth a comprehensive immigration legislation to deal with a broken system. That's what the president did, to deal with a broken system. We were just a couple of weeks away of three years ago, that that legislation that he put forward to Congress to actually deal with an issue. And so that's what I can say. The president president understands that there's a problem at the border. He put forth on his first day something to deal with that problem. And what we continue to see from Speaker Johnson and Republicans, House Republicans, I know Jackie asked a question about something that I said yesterday in May, and I'll repeat it, I repeat what I said yesterday in May, House Republicans decided to vote on a bill that would cut 2,000 Border border Patrol agents at the border. That's what they did. That's what they did. And they continue to obstruct and get in the way of trying to, of the president wanting to move forward with a supplemental that includes border security. They're getting in the way of it. They're, they are. While Senate Republicans and Democrats in a bipartisan way are trying to find a way, a bipartisan agreement to deal with border security, you have House Republicans who left. They left in the middle of December. And I think they come back next week. Maybe they'll get some work done. Uh, instead, they're playing politics. So is that a no? I, look, what I can say is what the president has done. I'm not going to speak to data. I have not seen any data that would show this, so certainly I can't speak to that. What I can say is the the actions and what the president no data. has done and how yeah. seriously. Well, she hasn't seen the data. I don't know what she's looking day, at. His first day. Understanding that this system has been broken for decades. This immigration system has been broken for decades. Under a Republican president, under a Democratic president, it has been broken. Uh, I. I uh, <laughs> 
So if you're in a sinking boat, if you're in a boat, if you're in a boat with a big hole in it, do you just stand there and say, well, there's a hole in the boat. That's it's what she broke. would do. Yeah. She would That's just sit there and drown. So. Yeah. The administration, the Biden administration on day one, they moved to suspend remain in Mexico on Biden's first day in the White House. Remember this? Yep. All of the things he signed, Department of Homeland Security moved to officially terminate the policy in June the same year. And remember, this was in and out of the courts, uh, you know, until finally it went to the U.S. Supreme Court in, in the summer of 2022 with the Biden administration. Ultimately, SCOTUS ruled that Biden had the power. He did have the power to to do what he did. And thus, the policy was terminated mm-hmm. because Biden doing that, he had the president has the power all of that proof. So I don't know what Missy Poo, I don't know what she's looking at. <laughs> Missy Poo. Actually, speaking frankly. of speaking of Missy Poo, Phil, if we could throw that uh, still shot of her up at the last bit of the clip. Right there, just freeze it. Look at the binder and look at, not the actual uh, lady, the actual physical binder on her little podium right there. Look at all those little tabs. Yeah. She's got about 17 different colors and 42 different tabs there. But she has no data. But she's got, like, yeah. well, I want to know. You know what we should really do? We should hire somebody to go in there, run up on the stage, and swipe the binder. <laughs> and bring the binder back to our studios and go through it. I want to know what's in that binder. You know, that's a great question because we the taxpayers paid for that to be put together i know is that part of the public record yeah it would be like you know when i send those emails out every month or yeah. every quarter about how you know the show and other shows here are doing very well and we're up here we're up here we're up here i wonder if if what would happen if david yadigroff our market manager or dave skopanich our director of sales came to me and said okay uh, these are all great uh, numbers. Can you show me the data? Like, well, I don't have the data. But here's the numbers. But I, <laughs> but I just feel like we're yeah. up at all of these demos. <laughs> I haven't I gone. Good. I haven't gone through hours and hours and hours of my time to find all this data. No, I just feel that amongst men, blah 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 blah, we're up here. Yeah. That's that's the that's what she's basically saying. Yeah. It's it's remarkable. I mean, she's up. I mean, you talk about an empty suit, yeah. and there's a whole administration full of them with this group, but there's nobody up there that has less to offer than that one right there. <laughs> My God, um, you played this earlier, but I, I want to play it again. Uh, speaking of the border, Nikki Haley said uh, that it is inappropriate to call uh, illegal immigrants. Criminals. This is cut. Where are we? Cut, Phil. Here, cut seven. Go. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They So we don't need to be disrespectful. Dish. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. Open borders with Nikki Haley. I can see it now. <laughs> She, no, lo- she I- loves war, she loves open borders, and don't you dare just be disrespectful. No, dish, think, dish, I- disrespectful. Dish. I think what she's saying is what I- I've said this, you know, for a long time, mm-hmm. that in other words, there's a difference between the, the so-called gotaways, yep. the actual terrorists who are coming from all over the world. There's a difference between those folks and the people who walk across the border, put their hands up in the air and say, I want to come to America for a better life there's a big difference between that and so i agree that you know it's it's actually inaccurate 
to say, well, you're 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 a criminal because the, because there are many people who surrender to the Border Patrol folks mm-hmm. and are then brought in. I think I think most Americans are absolutely okay with people coming to this country to seek a better life if they go about it the proper way. America, as we've heard, it's cliche. America was founded on immigrants, right? But people that did it the proper way. So do your paperwork, wait your time, go to your you know, court proceeding, whatever it is, the whole vetting and screening, that's fine. But when you have these people that just come over and then we don't know where they end up going and then we hear these horror stories in New York with the trashing, like we've got Americans and veterans that would kill for a free meal. And these people are just trashing as, well, this food's not good enough for me. Well, then go back to Venezuela. I said this at 620 whenever uh, we discussed this the first time. I really do believe it, even though I don't agree with what she said. I think it does play well to the compassionate conservative base. And I think that she knows exactly what she's doing. I, I, I'm sure she believes it, but I think it does play well to a you know okay. certain group of people that mm-hmm. the GOP uh, might want to reach. That's all I'm saying. You all know right. what I mean? But the thing she should have, that Nikki Haley should have said in, when she's talking about this yeah. is to say that in a, a March of 2023, so this was nearly you know, less than two years ago, or less than a year ago, I should say, that um, the Council on Foreign Relations had stated that more than 152,000 unaccompanied minors yeah. were found at the U.S.-Mexico border. In, and and remember all these missing children. So eighty eighty five thousand children. Where are these children? And remember KJP. We heard that audio at some point over the past ten eleven months. Where are all these missing children who've come across? What about them? I wish Nikki Haley would have fo- or anybody would have followed. I know Repo- other Republicans have talked about this as well as other uh, human rights activists have talked about it. Yeah. Where are these missing children? All right, that'll do it for What's on the Cut Sheet, part one here on a Friday, part due coming up at 9.35. We'll come back at Dawn's Big Three at 8. And then also, uh, Joe Biden, more trouble for Joe. We'll give you the details as we continue. Kale and Company on a Friday morning, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday morning 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.